0: From Northern Seminary, in partnership with Missio Alliance, this is Theology on Mission, the podcast exploring God and integrating faith and life. Here are your hosts, Jeff Holsklaw and David Fitch.
1: Welcome to another episode of Theology on Mission, where we explore life, God, and everything in between. Today, I'm really excited to have Mandy Smith and Sid Holtzclaw on the show today. We're going to be talking about revival. We're a couple weeks after Pentecost, and so it's kind of like we're going to explore a little bit of the ups and downs of Getting maybe what you ask for in revival. Really quickly, let me introduce Mandy Smith. She is a pastor in Cincinnati at uh, University Christian Church. She's also the author of the recent Vulnerable Pastor, which is a great read. We uh, talked about that a couple months ago here on Theology on Mission. And then Sid is also, uh, she's been in pastoral ministry at Life on the Vine for several years, still on the leadership team, and she sits on the board of Ecclesia Network. I'm really glad to have both these women on the show today. Can you both say hi?
2: Hello. Good morning.
1: So the way this uh, came about is that we're, so obviously Sid is my wife. I didn't make that clear to anyone who's who's listening uh and uh we're getting a new kitchen is being remodeled and which is really great we're really excited about and that kind of thought a whole that created a whole like thought metaphor for revival in sid but then you're like i'm too busy to write this down in a blog post and i was like hey Why don't we just make it a podcast? That'd be quicker.
0: And the fact that I haven't blogged for about two years, so nobody would probably notice if I did blog. Well, whatever.
1: (laughs) That's fine. So, why don't you uh, jump in and just kind of talk about revival and our kitchen?
0: Well, so I've been longing for a new kitchen for a very, very long time. So, when this all decided to come about, I was very excited. It's finally going to happen. I've been waiting for this for so long. Uh, we had this really groovy kitchen with red Formica countertop straight from the 50s with um, very cheap black and white linoleum on the floor and the cupboards were on their last legs. There was outside air flowing in from underneath one of the cupboards. And so there were some issues in the kitchen. So I was really, really looking forward to having this new berth. In kitchen, basically. (laughs) And uh, so we've been lining up and preparing for it for weeks and just longing and aching for it. And then it finally comes and some volunteers came to help take care of the demolition. So there were about four people who came to help, and it was really exciting. And we knocked a wall down, and we were tearing drywall out and pulling soffit out, and things were changing and shifting, and I could see it. And I was so excited about seeing it happen because this was the thing I'd been waiting for. And uh, so that was a really big day, and being able to celebrate that big movement And then after that, there was two weeks of just trying to figure out the electrical problems, and nothing seemed to be happening. And every day we would put in about five, six, seven hours of work, and Jeff would come home from whatever jobs he had been doing, and uh, he would kind of look around and not notice anything that had changed. And I was kind of thinking about how... With the Spirit at work...
1: Well, a lot of changed. We were eating downstairs and making all of our meals downstairs. (laughs) And there was, like, these tarps all around, and it was all disaster.
0: But on a day-to-day basis, nothing seemed to be happening. And I was just reflecting on how sometimes the Spirit does these giant, enormous, visible, tangible things that we see, and it's exciting, and it feels like there's momentum and energy, and things are happening... And then there's these quieter times where things are still happening, uh, but it doesn't look like anything's happening. And so Mm. just having the patience of um, something is actually going on. I just can't see it after the big, exciting demolition day.
2: Mm. So I was
0: thinking about that. That was one of the things that was coming to mind.
2: That's good. The thing that came to mind for me too is, if revival is something that takes place in human hearts, then sometimes we need nothing to be happening for a while to figure out what this even means for us.
1: Yeah, the I think, Sid, especially for you, you were thinking like, you know, a lot of times in churches there needs to be this big shakeup and the spirit kind of comes and a lot of things change, and that felt that can often feel a lot like the tear down, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. you're ripping all the old things out. And that feels, like, really exciting and, well, sometimes painful. Yeah, it can uh, be
2: destructive.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, destructive. Uh, but then it, it's very rapid, and you can see the change immediately. And then all of a sudden there's these dormant times, and we can feel like, mm-hmm. well, where did the revival go? Where did the spirit yeah. go? What's what's going on? yeah. So, Mandy, have you? I know you've been longing for uh, revival and praying for these things, and blogging on Missy Alliance. Like, have you seen these kind of waves of like uh, spirit work and then spirit rest, or how yeah, we want to talk absolutely. about it?
2: Absolutely, and that's a part of the humbling nature of the whole thing. Because in the beginning, when I started sensing a call from God to care about this stuff. Like this is not something I, in my human self, am big enough to care about. <laughs> um, I really do feel like God God has kind of challenged me to to long for it. And um, when I have that longing, I just am like, great, that sounds good. What can I do? How can I plan an event to make this thing happen, you know? And uh, that's been the most, one of the most humbling things about this is is saying like, God will do it and we will have a part, but we can't on our own orchestrate this thing. And there have been times where I felt so full and so ready and so wanting to make something happen and nothing has happened. And and actually, when I think about it, all the times that I, I could say I feel like something has taken place, something significant um, on a small scale or on a large scale, I, I've usually been exhausted or, you know, sick, and these things have felt like they've happened in spite of me. So... Yeah, mm. that seems to be the way it is.
1: In our weakness, he is made strong. Mm. Absolutely. It's always like, I know all of us uh, preach to, it's always like, well, that sermon where you feel is like, mostly a dud, it could have been all right. That's the one you get great feedback on. Yes. And the, yes. the one that you feel like, oh, I was like, that was so creative and I had that great insight and it's like, uh, no response.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's always the that. way. Right.
1: <laughs> For sure.
2: Well, that's so, yeah, I guess it makes it clear where this power is coming from, right? Yeah, and then, yeah, power. Well,
1: yeah, so where is it? So we ran it, so during this kit, that's a nice nice segue. Yeah, that that was a beautiful transition. So during this teardown, we had some electrical issues. So, Sid, why don't you uh, share that a little bit?
0: Yeah, so we discovered that all of the electricity was running through the box in the wall that we had knocked down. So we had this conduit and this box sticking up out of the floor that we couldn't get rid of because all of the electricity in the whole upstairs, basically, was running through this box. And so then began the the crazy problem solving adventure of trying to figure out how to rewire and move all the electricity to where it needed to go to sort of change the structure so that the power could flow to the places it needed to get to mm. and
2: uh
1: so like we could have lights again,
2: yeah, so we <laughs> could have lights again, oh, and so the whole hat like that whole floor wasn't working, not just the kitchen. Yeah.
1: Our, our next-door neighbor is always like, I don't know how your house hasn't burned down yet. Yeah, like we, still had, we still had
2: cloth-wrapped wires yeah, in the house. That's,
1: that's terrible. Oh
0: um, but so just trying to sort of follow the wires, and where is this going, and where is this coming from? And um, Brian, the guy who's helping us, spent all kinds of time up in the attic trying to figure out where the wires were going. And then he finally had everything rewired, and everything was supposed to work. And then he flipped one switch, and there was this loud bzzz, and then oh, everything man. shorted out. So we discovered after much, much tracking down, uh, that there was a short in one of the wires because when he had shoved the wire through the conduit, the new wire through the conduit, it had pressed together some old wires that weren't even connected Mm -hmm. to anything. Um, and I don't even understand how all this works. I'm not an electrical engineer or anything by any means. So most of the time he was talking about this, I was like, I don't even know what you're saying. Um, but. There was a short, and so when he would turn on the power, then these wires would short out the whole rest of the system. And it took a long time to figure out that that's what was going on. And so when we finally did clear that, then suddenly everything works, and all the wiring Mm. that he had put in place was working. Mm, And so mm. I was just reflecting on the structures to be in place so that the spirit can be moving, Um, Mm. and then also just the hindrance of one place that's dead or one place Mm -hmm. that's not open or one place that's not receptive. And then that being the place that blocks the movement and the flow of the spirit, Mm. which then caused a lot of reflection on my own life and where are the places where I am blocking the spirit and where are the places where I'm shorting things out.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. The thing that comes to mind for me with that too, is I have a tendency to, to track the current, Um, pace of things and think we need to move 20 feet here and we've got till next week to do it. And right now we're moving it like an inch a day (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it doesn't leave space. You know, sometimes things move, move along really quickly and the pace is not even, even. (laughs) And so uh, you spent, I don't even know how many days working on the power. Two weeks, and so it would be easy to say, if it's taken us two weeks and we have made no progress, then how long is it going to take for us to make progress? Right. And instead, that progress happened in the course of a few minutes. Right. And so uh, I see how things are, and we see this in scripture too. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Boom. (laughs) You know. So, all uh, of a sudden. Yeah. 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 So I get discouraged when I base my expectation for the future on the pace of things in the past. And um, not only are we not in control of when things happen and how things happen, but just even the pace that God, that God wants to work at whether too slow or too fast.
0: Yeah. That's so true.
1: Yeah. I think we're always looking for patterns for how God works. And we're always like, "Oh, well, if it was like this in this one area, then it's going to be like that. And we're always trying to apply how God has right. done stuff in the past right. or in another area of our life. And then, we either can get excited, oh, that's going to happen again, it's going to happen really fast again, or we can be discouraged like, oh, that took forever, now it's going to take forever for the next phase. And so, yeah, But God's yeah. full of surprises, and you know, can we be obedient to just the, the thing before, the next thing before us? What was that thing you used to always say, Sid, at the beginning of our marriage, like God only gives you grace?
0: Oh, yeah, God only gives us grace for what's right in front of us. Not, mm-hmm.
1: not like the 20 things we're worrying about. God gives right. us grace for
0: today. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
1: We're, we're stressed out about 50 things a year from now. It's like, well, God didn't promise to to help us be at peace with all those things. <laughs> we just need to put those down.
2: What were you doing to make her say things like that at the beginning of marriage?
0: Yeah, right. What <laughs> were <Jeff>? you doing? <laughs> well,
1: that would have to be a whole other podcast, I guess. We <laughs> yeah, had a wonderful first couple of years of marriage. Well, they were wonderful. Yeah. For sure. Well, so, uh, Mandy, you had written a couple posts on, like, you were collecting stories of revival. Is that right? Or Mm -hmm. people's hopes for revival?
2: Yeah. Have you come
1: across any more since you uh, posted that? Or want to kind of just highlight some of the ones?
2: It's been interesting to open up that conversation because I've realized how much baggage there is around the word revival. Mm. And um, it's hard for me to talk about it. And so once I push myself to talk about it just because it sounds kind of crazy. I've been really discouraged that I've heard either kind of frustration and anger or just like crickets chirping on Facebook or, you know, in different ways. And so um, that's actually been helpful to have opportunities to talk about why don't we why don't we want to use that word mm-hmm. and how have we come to understand it and if people think it means revival of Christendom I I don't want that either I think it's good for us to clarify
1: Dave Fitch always says that whenever I talk about revival he's like that's a Christendom term so he's not right. here today so, so now we can talk about it And I know
2: that him. the word revival is not in scripture although life you know Being things revived. coming revived Yes things coming back to life mm-hmm. it definitely is in scripture and so just so we clarify this, I am not at all interested in the kind of revival that restores human made institutions for the sake of it. Uh, I'm talking about the people of God remembering their need for the power of God. And in my own experience, that has, I personally have gone through a kind of revival in the past couple of years, but that began with a time of incredible emptiness, which has never actually gone away. I'm just more comfortable with the emptiness and see it more now as an opportunity for me to need the spirit. And so that confrontation with my emptiness began a revival in my own personal life and in my ministry. And so, um, and I've watched that others walk through that in personal ways too. But I think what that has begun in me is a hope for the desperation the desperate place that we're in as a movement. So um, since it was a place of emptiness and desperation for me personally, which triggered true revival in my own life, I see how we feel so far from where we should be as a as a movement of Christian people as we see so much junk going on in the culture and all political stuff and denominations falling apart and church planters being discouraged and... Um, People losing their jobs and arguments happening in churches over all kinds of stuff, and um, it's it's not a place, you know. There's all the statistics about the nuns and the duns and everything, you know. And so, right. it's a moment. It's a moment where we are feeling the crumbling of Christendom, and it could feel like all is lost. But I see this as a as an opportunity for us to feel the emptiness and to see what potential the Spirit has in our emptiness, and to turn instead from all of our scrambling to work harder, to try another program, to build another building, all the things that we do to try to understand and control our success as a movement, and to turn from that, and to just remember the Lord has always been the one that has that has been the power behind anything that we've done, and what does it look like for us to Feel the emptiness, set aside the shame of the emptiness and the scrambling that the emptiness usually leads us to, and just remember to say, we need you, Lord. Hmm. And when we do that, I don't even know what he's going to do.
0: Yeah. As, as you were talking, um, and I keep bringing up the kitchen, but there's another example that I was thinking of when you were talking about how we're... The revival meaning less of, of the rebirth of Christendom or of the structures of humanity, but more from a remembrance of who we are as the mm-hmm. de- people of God dependent upon God and his spirit. And uh, there was this door that had probably seven different layers of paint on it. It used to be an exterior door. so it, And I decided I was just going to strip off the top layer so that I could repaint it. And as I was stripping off the top layer, I got really curious about what what, what else was <laughs> under there. And I kept going and, you know, I bought this can of strip of stripping stuff. And on the can, it looks really super simple. Like you paint mm-hmm. it on once, you wait a few minutes and then you just scrape it off. Just really like easily. revival,
1: right? Just pray for yeah. revival. <laughs> right. Have a couple meetings. The spirit will show up.
0: Exactly. It'll be easy. And so I had this sort of delusion that it was going to take me just a couple hours to strip this Mm -hmm. door. And then as I got going and recognized just how much more paint was under there, I kept going and kept going. And I was just thinking about... um, Yeah. Revival. I can understand why people have baggage with that word, but that, but the sense that we're returning to who we're supposed to be, Mm. we're returning to that, that buried self of
2: Mm. getting back to the bare wood.
0: Yeah. Getting back to the bare wood of like, this is, this is who we're made to be. We're made to be a people who live in humble dependence and complete um, reliance upon the spirit of God. And then we end up putting all these different paint layers on ourselves of like, mm-hmm. this is, this is my coping mechanism, or this mm-hmm. is my competency, or this is what I these are the skills that I bring to the kingdom of God. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying that none of that is, is part of what God is doing. Cause part of what God is doing is he makes us to be different kinds of people who bring different kinds of things. Right. Um, but just that sense of getting back to just the bare wood of mm-hmm. this is who I am. Humble, vulnerable, completely exposed. And this is where God shows the true beauty and the goodness of what he's doing. And that wood is beautiful. And I Mm -hmm. finally got down to that last layer. Oh, I love it. And it's this beautiful wood grain. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the story that the wood tells, it's got these dents and divots in it. And Mm -hmm. um, the the, the, the wood tells a story of its own without any Mm -hmm. extra color or gloss or sheen. And um, just thinking about revival being getting back to who we're really supposed to I be. I love
2: that. Right. Well, it's radical, right? Isn't radical something to do with, like, getting to the roots of something? Absolutely. And it reminds me, too, of the image of the clay vessel that Paul talks about, that um, we are clay vessels, but we want to clog them, fill them up with a bunch of stuff, and um and instead to empty ourselves of all that stuff like you said not that we have no gifts to offer but do we begin with our gifts and then cry out for God to help us when that doesn't seem enough or do we begin with God and then say as you have filled us with your spirit let that flow out of us through Mm -hmm. the gifts that we have
1: absolutely well I so Mandy you talked about like the real deep longing that is filled with you know revival like the seeking after God now you're a university pastor, so I want to play the devil's advocate. So everything for the next two minutes that I'm going to say, I don't really believe. Okay,
2: <laughs> don't worry, I've heard it all before. <laughs> but I,
1: I just want to throw this out here, you know, because I've seen, you know, because this happened to me in college. You know, there's like the passion worship movement that started when I was like in college, like early 2000s. You're you, you know you're a university uh, church who's seeking revival. It's like isn't revival just for the young? Like, isn't it just for the mindless and the passionate college students who are like in the midst of all this turmoil? Did you just say
0: mindless? <laughs>
1: I said I didn't believe anything I was saying here. You got to give me a yes, little grace we need here. to be quiet. Right. You know, so isn't that for like the people who are already in lots of transitions in their 20s, you know, 18 through 22? Um, is revival really for all of the church is my question.
2: That's a good question. It has to start somewhere. That's all I can say. <laughs>
1: And, all right.
2: Um, I know that, like, I don't quite know what happened, but something significant took place at the Urbana conference that took that was in January. Mm-hmm. And um, there is something about students being open to things. But actually, what I thought you were going to say, so I haven't heard it all before. I take that back. What yes. I thought you were going to say <laughs> is, uh, in such an academic context, how can you expect people to go there? And that's the biggest struggle for me. Okay. Um, and also... Millennials have a lot of baggage and for good reason about churchy stuff and revival is kind of the pinnacle of that, you Mm -hmm. know, or anything that's name it and claim it, Pentecostal kinds of ways of talking, um, have been abused and people just don't want to go there. And so, um, more often what I find with people at this stage of life, whether they're university students or not is a real caution. And, um, we actually Start then having the kind of faith that's that's like well saying praise the Lord has baggage so I'm not going to say that praying for healing oh definitely not going to do that um, talking about God's provision we don't want to do the whole um, name it and claim it thing or the um, what is it called the the gospel.
1: Prosperity. Prosperity gospel.
2: Prosperity gospel. Like there's so many you little things mention that have been like speaking in
1: tongues or something like that.
2: Right. I mean so like even, Right. so all of that stuff which is in the Bible and which is supposed to be a part of who we are, because it's been abused and done in some ways for, for human power, then we chop all those pieces of ourselves off and we, we're left really with just kind of a theology. This dry doctrinal thing. Mm-hmm. And when a student can't really get into that, then there's not much left at all. And so that's more of the wrestling that we have with like feeling like the, the, the church they grew up in has, has handed them down things that they actually need to heal from. And their parents have an expression of faith that they don't relate to. And what, what does it look like? So then for me to come along and say, let's go out on a limb here and ask God for something that is going to be really hard. Um, that's, the thing that feels more costly and, and, you know, to just sound kind of emotional in an, in a context where it's much safer to say, if I don't understand it, I'm not going to do it. Mm.
1: Well, it's much safer in an academic environment, but also in most church environments to like talk about the Holy spirit rather than Mm -hmm. like really speak or seek the spirit's work to start, you know, right working amongst our our people in in crazy, interesting, and wonderful ways. So it's a lot safer to speak about God rather than really trust and depend on God. And not just God abstractly, but really the Holy Spirit.
2: Uh, Right. And so if I, I mean, the the last year has been really interesting for me because I went on sabbatical about this time last year, and um, around the very beginning of it, I was walking and trying to fix all the problems in the world in my head and a flock of geese flew overhead. And it seemed like the opposite of what was happening inside of my head. And I just felt like I want to fly like that. You know, I, I, I've always imagined that geese have a V in their head that they're picturing while they're trying to form that V shape, but you know, they're not, they're actually just feeling the sweet spot and you know listening to the wind and listening to each other you know feeling the wind flow over each other's wings and um so when you're on sabbatical for 8 weeks and you're just saying i want to fly like a goose that's fun that's like you know being like a child basically and so i did that and it was surprising how hard it was to be like i will jump in this puddle <laughs> you know so um So like overcoming all the uh, sensibleness there, but it still was fun when I was on sabbatical, but then getting back to my work and still choosing to do that is when it got really hard and when I sensed things that God was prompting me to do that I didn't understand. And so, um, and there was a real wrestling in me of like, I will look foolish people won't take me seriously, especially as a woman, if I start talking about emotional, spirity-type things. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was some real wrestling, and, um, you know, we see that in Scripture. It's easy to think, oh, it's just in our own heads, so it's not significant. But every time somebody in Scripture gets called to do something, they have very significant pushback and fears around that. And so um, there was a moment, for example, last summer when um, the passage from James 5 was read, in one of our services about if anyone, if anyone among you is sick, they should ask the elders to pray for healing. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that passage, I saw a picture of a woman who's in our church who seems so far beyond healing that it was almost like a dare, like a dare you to pray that I can heal her. And um, I was just thinking like, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that because <laughs> I don't want to look dumb. I don't want to make God look dumb if we pray for healing and nothing mm-hmm. happens.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a big one.
2: Yeah, we've yeah. never done this before, so I didn't even know how to do this, and so on. To be honest with you, I set it aside, even though I had promised I'm going to fly like a goose. Like that little prompt, I just set aside, and I thankfully I mentioned it in passing to someone else in the congregation the next day, and he said, "Oh, I had the same feeling about mm. that particular person when we heard that passage." So mm. I thought, "Oh man." <laughs> Now I I have to do something with this. And so my image of it was, oh, I'm just going to gather a few folks around this one person. But the more I started talking to people about it, the more other people said, oh, will you pray for me as well? I've been wanting to ask for healing prayer. And I didn't know if we do that. And so we set a date on the calendar and, um, gathered and and by the time we did it 12 people were asking for healing and about 25 came this is at a church that is not in any way pentecostal that Mm. is very much in the center of a university setting so it felt a little bit crazy but we got the healing oils and everything like we're like if we're going to be uncomfortable we might as well be uncomfortable and um i took a cue from the prayer that Jesus prays in Gethsemane, where he says, all things are possible, Father. With you, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And so I love the way he just puts himself on on a limb there and says, this isn't about whether you can do this or not. This isn't about whether we're in relationship or not um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I really want, but at the same time I'm handing it over to you. I mean, what more can a prayer be? And so that's how we prayed for these people and just put ourselves, put our hearts out there, you know, and, and it's incredibly, um, excruciatingly vulnerable place to go to because you might be disappointed. Mm. And so, um, that was such a beautiful time watching people weep with each other and pray with each other. And, um, in a way it I didn't even ask until sometime afterwards if anybody got healed I think I do believe and in my own heart even there was healing in my heart um even watching the church minister to one another in that way there was healing among us um I can't say if there was any real physical I don't want to say real physical healing physical is one kind of healing um and I don't think it's any less hard to heal what am I saying I think it's just as hard to heal in spiritual and emotional ways as it is to heal in physical ways. So then um, I got discouraged because nothing really seemed to be happening. And that one particular woman actually seemed to be going downhill Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. was kind of willing to give up on that. And then, talked to a friend who actually has experienced physical healing in the past year or so in a very significant way. And he said, well, I was praying about this for every year before anything took place. And so I was like, Oh, okay, I guess we have to be persevering here. So we, we called for another healing prayer service. And again, about the same number of people came for healing. And this time there was this blur between those who were being prayed for and those who were praying, like several of us were doing both, you know? And again, the time of ministry in itself was a significant moment of healing, um, of like feeling our hearts and healing our community and and healing our willingness to trust the Lord. I think that's probably what the healing is that I'm seeing the most is that we're willing to put ourselves out there and say things that we want without really knowing what God will do. Um, But then um, something kind of came together this week and I'm hesitant to talk about it because I don't want to break the mystery. But at the same time, I, um, I want to talk about it because I want glory to go to God. And we, as a, we, as a community are still talking about it and trying to figure out what really happened. But, um, so I, I don't want anyone in my church, for example, to feel like I'm minimizing it or romanticizing it or any of those things. But, um, For the sake of giving glory, I I really feel like I should share a little bit. Um, A couple from our congregation, he has um, stage four cancer Mm. and is only 27. And uh, we asked him and his wife to share last Sunday. And they shared in such a personal and raw way. So there wasn't, oh, we know, this is all great. We've figured out why God's doing this. It was really um, sharing their wrestling and their rawness and their willingness to they're choosing to trust God even though they don't even know what to trust him for. And um, their inability to feel the right feelings or know the right things or even follow in the right ways. And that felt like that kind of emptying that I was talking about earlier. And um, we had planned at the end of that to have a few folks come up and pray around them for healing for him. And when we invited people to come forward, the entire congregation Mm. gathered of 150 or more people came and gathered around him. And, um, you know, everyone's laying hands on everyone else and they just formed this kind of like these petals flowing out from him of, of people. Um, and we're having so much, so many, it was, it it was such an incredible time of those who prayed, just putting themselves out there and being willing to ask for things that we don't know if we'll see. And so in many ways, the couple, um, were a model for us of the posture of saying, "I don't know what he will do. I believe he's good, but I don't even. I need his help even to feel, even to even to believe. I need his help." And um, somehow the, the congregation then was invited into that same posture of saying, "We don't know what, but we we want to trust God. is good and powerful, and we're just going to ask for it." Mm-hmm. And so um, we're still in this place of just trying to figure out what's next, what's next? You know, what happens if he does get healed? What happens if he doesn't, you know? Yeah. But undoubtedly someone said to me, I don't really think I felt God move. I felt just emptiness. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) me too. But what was beautiful for me was the hope I have in that emptiness and the way that I, I feel like we as a clay vessel, as individual clay vessels, but also the community that is a clay vessel, basically swept the jar clean on Sunday Mm. and said, we're ready. We're empty. We don't know what you're going to do. We are ready for the pouring in of that unfading treasure that you have promised
1: us.
0: Mm. That's beautiful.
1: Well, thanks for sharing that. That's, uh, it's a beautiful story of being open and vulnerable to what God is doing and, uh, hoping and believing that God can heal. But then, you know, but then God doesn't always do that. This is a whole, we could have a whole nother conversation around uh, healing and how God works and right. all those difficult things. And we've struggled here at Life in the Vine with those questions about, uh, you know, another family that we'd prayed for and worked with for a long time. And there's a lot of struggle and growth there.
0: Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I was just, I was thinking about the same story. Yeah. A woman who. I mean, quite honestly, and I don't know if I've ever said this out loud, <laughs> but I actually started thinking about the, like, well, I'm not going to say it because that would be a whole other podcast, but just thinking <laughs> about, like, the, the preciousness of life and at what point is life no longer life when someone is suffering so, so yeah. massively. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to be in that place, I mean, it was years of that kind of suffering. Mm -hmm. And getting to a place where just desperate for God, we have prayed and prayed Mm -hmm. and prayed and prayed. And we have anointed her with oil over and over. And we've prayed and like, we've worshiped your name and we fasted. And, um, and I don't see you doing anything and I don't understand why it makes no sense to me. Um, Mm -hmm. but then again, in that place of, but I do believe you're good. Um, Mm -hmm. but also just feeling that angst of it's, it's easy well, it's just really difficult to keep saying God is good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so intense. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. But he did radically heal her. So it's, yeah. you know, after oh, all that wow. time.
1: That's a long story. It's a it's very beautiful. long story, <laughs> it's, yeah. but it's, it's a good a long one. It's a beautiful story. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. But Sorry. it, it kind of goes back to where we began, though is uh, revival as being it's reviving something. And that always happens on the, you know, it seems that that happens on the brink of death. And mm-hmm. so we can expect God to work when we're really in touch with, whether it's physical death, you know, and an mm-hmm. illness or just spiritual dryness and droughts and, um, and that those are the, the times and places where maybe we can hope. Well, and, and again, to it
0: was that pace that we talked about earlier too, where it was, um, you know, nothing had been happening. And even the th- the sm- even when there were small glimmers of hope, it was like, oh good, this is a small glimmer of hope. And then it would be, you know, another setback Dashed. and then another little glimmer of hope and another setback. And then the mm. healing was boom.
2: Wow. That's and so
0: again, it's that kind of thing where like radical turnaround in yeah. like one thing, one right. moment was like, all of a sudden, like, oh my goodness, we're
2: That's in a different cute. place. Well, I would be about, curious to hear, sorry, no, go you want to wrap it up. <laughs> I did, she just opened a can of worms. so. Yeah,
1: I know. What were you about to say, Mandy?
2: I just was going to say um, what revival or healing took place in the hearts of the people who were praying in such wow. perseverant a ways yeah. and how much is that? A part of the healing that God wants to do as well. So if we only look for the physical healing of the person that we're praying for, we may miss the the deeper healing of the people of God. Yeah, that is and, such a good point.
0: Yeah, because I know for me it was there was a lot of healing that went on in that yeah. journey of going alongside her and um, just feeling that aching of Jesus in Gethsemane of you know please yeah. take this cup. Yes. But not my will, but yours. And feeling like I know what's best here, God, please do what I want, because I know that it's the best thing. And then just yes. having to wait and wait and wait and all the different transformations that I had to walk through in that process that I wouldn't have had to walk through if I'd only been praying for a month.
2: Right. Or, and even you know, and even if the healing in a physical way doesn't come, uh, is that an opportunity for us? That can be an opportunity for us to despair and to give up our faith but where is it also an opportunity for us to to say our hope is in something greater and mm-hmm. we have been transformed by this even if the thing we prayed for didn't happen. So yeah, those and are the then. questions I'm wrestling with. I think Jeff wants They're to wrap ones. things up. They're good ones.
1: Well, yeah, it's about time to wrap things up. But I, th- this has been really enjoyable. Thanks, Mandy. Thanks, Sid, for being here. I think uh, so all you listeners out there, if you enjoyed this, you need to let us know on the comments or somewhere else and say, hey, we need to get Mandy and Sid back on this thing. Talk more. <laughs> so th- I think that would be you great. Know, revival
2: yeah. does not conform to time schedules. So.
1: That, yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, I think it is, I'll just throw this little tidbit out, and I didn't intend for this, I was just talking with Sid, she had this idea, and Mandy, we're all friends, so I was like, oh, we should all get together, but I think in church history, there is uh, a pretty strong link to the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out, and uh, the church allowing women to exercise their power in leadership, and so... I think there's a real strong link there, and so I don't think there's any accident that we're talking about revival. And I, you know, we ended up having two very uh, wonderful women leaders in this conversation. So thanks so much for your time. Uh, yeah. and I would love to do this again. So let's figure it out. Let's Sounds figure good. it out.